morning. Can you hear me? No. Hello, hello, mic test. Mic test. Hello, hello. It's not on over there. Oh, can you hear me now? Good. Good? All right. Hey. So good to be together this morning. Would you do me a favor? You know, when we come to church, I always want I always want you to know that you're seen, that, that I know you're here. And I want those of you that sometimes come to church and you may not always get that opportunity to say hi to everybody, may I just ask you guys just to, if you don't feel comfortable, you can just wave from afar. But if you feel comfortable enough to embrace someone or give them a fist bump, just to acknowledge that you see them behind you, in front of you. Would you take a minute to do that? Just to acknowledge that, that you see those around you. <laughs> hey Heidi, what's going on? Yeah! I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Yes, there you go. <laughs> well, thanks for um, entertaining me there. I think it's important that we acknowledge that, that we see each other. Uh, because the local church is the best way that God reaches the nation. Amen. And we're the local church. We're, we're a family. I love that about Pillar Church, that, that we're a family. And we're not just like a family. We are family. And it is good to acknowledge that, that we see you, that, that we love you, and that we're glad that you're here. As we have heard the last month from Pastor Trace and Pastor Mike, the book of John is about Christian living. It's about the Christian life. You know, John is concerned about us not only talking the talk, but he's concerned that we're walking the walk. And Pastor Trace has described this as uh, understanding the fundamentals of our faith. Both of our pastors have said that we must commit to the Christian life and not just go halfway. We are called to go full in. We're called to go all the way in. And they're right, because John is absolutely clear about his message in the book that we're about to delve into. John is a verbal heavyweight. He does not pull his punches. He tells us like it is, and he said things like, hey, if you claim to be a Christian and you don't do what this says for us to do, then you're a liar. John wants us to know that there is no middle ground. So as Christians, we have an obligation to obey and heed God's commands. We're called to love our neighbors. We're called to walk in the light. We're called to confess our sins if we have sins to confess. If we claim to be followers of Jesus, then there should be fruit. When people look into our lives, they should be able to observe and see tangible evidence of our faith. So we show it in our doctrine, we show it in our behavior, and we show it in our relationships. I've often thought of God's word as like a surgeon's scalpel, right? And, and God 
perform surgery on my heart because as I read God's word, man, sometimes it hurts. It's painful because I'm, I'm forced to come to grips with my own sin. And it, and it pierces my heart. And at times it can be weighty on my shoulders. And I'd imagine that there were some in the original audience that John is writing to. And they may have said something like, gosh, man, I feel like I'm missing the mark. I feel like I'm dropping the ball. So as a genuine believer, there may be times, if you're like me, and I'd imagine that there may be some of you that that may feel this way, that you look at your failures and you look at your shortcomings and you may lose heart. It can be discouraging when you have a sin that has just been with you for years and years and you're battling it, you're wrestling with it, but it's still there. And so John, this morning, he's calling a training timeout. He's saying, let's pause a little bit. Because he's a pastor. And he knows what some of his original audience may be thinking. So he's, ta- he's calling for a t- training timeout. And he wants us to remember, and the original audience, to remember, remember the never-ending, always true beliefs about God and who he says we are in him. And here's the truth. None of us in this room have a leg up on another person. None of us. None of us are more deserving of God's grace than someone else in this room. No matter what your past has been like, no matter what you've done, we are all equal at the foot of the cross, aren't we? Yes. We are all equal in a need of God's grace. We are not perfect, and we can't obey God's word perfectly this side of heaven. Yes, let us spur each other on. Let us hold each other to accountability and challenge each other to go deeper in growth. But let us also remind each other, as John will remind us, let us assure each other of the never-ending, always abounding grace of God. We need to be reminded every time we gather together, because I'm a forgetful person, and, and we're forgetful people. That's why the local church is so beautiful. We meet together, we gather together, hopefully more than once a week, to remind each other of God's truth. Would you turn with me, with that said, to 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. John says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Would you join me in prayer? God, as we look into your truth and into your word, teach us, grow us, cultivate in our hearts Christ-likeness. Help us to mature in our understanding of you and who you say we are in you. Would you take a minute, still heads bowed, eyes closed, and 
pray for your own hearts. Because I don't know how your week or weekend has been like, but you do. What have you, what have you gone through this week? What's heavy on your heart? What's weighty on your shoulders? Are you carrying something that only God himself can carry? And you have to be reminded, Lord, I entrust that to you. I give it to you again today. If you take a minute to pray for your own hearts and now close us and we'll delve into the word. Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do. We entrust ourselves into your hands, into your care. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Immediately, one of the things I notice about our text this morning is the use of the words like little children, young men, and fathers. This week as I was preparing this sermon, I looked at several commentaries and uh, I think the most simple way for me to explain this for our sake this morning is to actually just look around uh, at our church. And we see babies. We see beautiful babies. I love that about our church. We're blessed to have babies. Our church also has young people. Those who are in their teens or pre-teens or close to that age. Our church also has young men and women, those in your 20s, late 20s. 30s, mid-30s, young men and women. Our church is also really blessed with seasoned older men and women with graying and white hair. It is a beautiful sight to see because I think a healthy church has a good mix of young and old. I just, I love to see older men discipling and mentoring young men. It is beautiful to see older women Loving on and mentoring younger women. I love seeing that. So our church is blessed with people in different seasons of life and physical uh, growth, maturity. But John means more than that. He also means spiritual maturity. There's those of us who met Jesus later on in life. And although in age... Right? You may be a young person. Your faith is an infant. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just where you are. There's those of you that are uh, young in faith. You're growing. You've experienced Jesus. You're learning more about the Lord. And there's those of you who are spiritually mature in your faith. You've been tested. You've been knocked down several times. And you've gotten back up. And you're still in the game. You're still running the race and running towards the goal. So just as our church needs physical, uh, uh, physical growth and physical maturity, our church also needs spiritual maturity as well. And, and that's what John is talking about, right? Not just physical age, but also spiritual maturity. So let me ask you, what season of growth are you in? Would you take a stock of your faith journey right now and, and look and think back and reflect upon a year ago? Where were you? Are you seeing growth in your faith? I want to encourage us this morning as we delve into this passage to think about that. 
to think about where you were and where you'd like to be a year from now. So the title of my sermon is called The Assurance of Your Faith. And I have three headings to help us move along. Number one, the assurance of forgiveness. Number two, the assurance that you've overcome the evil one. And number three, the assurance of knowing Jesus. Let's get right into it. Number one, the assurance of forgiveness. Verse 12, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. John most likely was in his 90s when he wrote this letter to this church. And so when he calls this church little children, he's not condescending or he's not being dismissive to this church. Because most likely everyone that he's writing to were younger in their faith. So you can think of it like a term of uh, endearment. When I visit home, my mom has a certain nickname for me. Do you, do you, do you have that as well? Uh, your loved ones have a certain nickname for you. Uh, I'm 40 years old, and when I visit home, my mom still calls me her puppy. Isn't that interesting? Right? In Korean, it's kangaji, right? little puppy. I'm 40, but that's what she calls me, the term of endearment. And so you could think of John, he, he's a pastor, he loves this church, and he's saying, little children. And little children refers to all of us, to every believer for all of time. Little children refers to every born-again believer. And John wants to assure these believers that no matter where you are in your faith maturity, we never graduate in our need to be reminded of this foundational truth. we, we got to hear it again and again that our sins have been forgiven. And even though he's given this tough charge, tough ch- challenge to, to these Christians and how to live and, and the expectations We need to be assured of this again and again. That at the foot of the cross, your sins have been forgiven. And over time, sometimes, at least in my own heart, I become callous to this. It becomes something that I don't feel is as effective or powerful as it used to be. And that's why we have to think on it and reflect on it and chew on it and digest it again and again. That your sins, my sins, have been laid upon Jesus on the cross. He bore all of our sins. He became the sin bearer. And all of our sins were put on him. We call this the imputation of our sins. Our sins have been imputed on Jesus. And he's removed our sins on the cross. And the sins of all true believers were transferred to him. Was it earned? Is it because we're impressive? Not at all. Apart from God, none of us would have come to him on our own choosing. In in Christ, we are received without our own merit. Left alone to our own devices, we would never have loved him because he loved us first. One of my favorite songs is Amazing Grace. And uh, one of the lyrics says, How sweet the sound that saved a, a wretch like me. There's nothing impressive about me. There's nothing impressive about you. But, but he took us. And he loved us. He chooses to love us. So let us be reminded of that today, this morning. Let us not look to ourselves, but focus on the one who deserves full praise and honor. 
Verse 12 says that he did this for his name's sake. His name be glorified. His name alone for this undeserving favor. And may that never get old to us. May we never get used to hearing this. May we never get callous to a king who gave his life for his servants. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of all of our sins. He died so that you would be free this morning. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. And if you're like me, you may say, what about that one thing that I did several years ago? What about that? All of it. What about what I did this weekend? All of it. What about my future sins? All of it. For the rest of your days. Be assured of that this morning. Now this doesn't give us a license for us to live our lives however we want. But it should humble us. It should bring us to our knees. And our prayer should be that we would never run away from anything that would harm our relationship with this loving and gracious Savior who took our sins on himself. We need to protect the joy of our salvation at all costs. And if we understand this truly, then let it motivate us to be holy. Let it motivate us to live pure lives. Let it motivate us to fight for joy. Let's move on to my second point. The assurance that you've overcome the evil one. Verse 13, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you young children because you know the father. When John says father, he's referring to fathers in the spiritual sense. These are men and women who have been tested in the desert and the wilderness. You've traveled through the storms of life. And your hands continue to be raised in worship every day. You've lost loved ones. You've lost friends along the way. And yet you still choose to find hope and life in Jesus. You've battled temptation. You've battled addiction. And you've come out victorious. You've matured in your faith over the years. You've studied doctrine and theology and And although you may not have all the answers, your faith has deepened and grown in your trust. Your knees are worn out by prayer. You've wrestled with your doubts. You know spiritual warfare. You know spiritual discipline and you practice it regularly. You've saturated yourself in God's word and it is tattooed on your heart. You love the lost and pray for them. Through the years, you've grown in your understanding of the gospel and your identity in him. This is why John says, I'm writing to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. There is just something so powerful about a seasoned woman of God. So attractive about a seasoned man of God. And there's nothing quite like uh, being around them. Like, I just want to be around them. I want, I want, just give me a gold nugget of truth. And our church has that in abundance. Men and women of deep faith. Seasoned men and women. May I ask you, would you continue to feed into and keep mentoring younger believers? I'm thankful for older women and older men who have walked this life with me. 
who've stood next to me and mentored me through the years. Continue to mentor young people because that is to whom John refers to when he says in verse 13, these are who have whom have overcome the evil one. That's how he describes these young believers. So would you be patient with us? In the midst of our stubbornness, would you hang in there with us? Because we may not get it right away. But five, ten years down the line, we may understand. And if you are seasoned, mature, Christian, don't give up on us. Because, John says, these young believers have overcome the evil one. Now that, that is a pretty bold claim, isn't it? Especially when there are days when I don't feel like I've made much progress. Especially when there are days when I'm still battling and wrestling with a specific sin. Um, and I just don't feel like, like I got it figured out. But w- w- what does John mean then? Well, he means that we are no longer under the dominion of sin. That we are no longer under the bondage of of sin that it used to have us entangled into that sin but when Christ brought us from death to life now we have the strength and the power to say no because dead spiritual beings can't fight sin and apart from Christ we're dead in our sin but now that he's brought us to life and our hearts beat for Jesus, we are no longer under the control of those sins. Whereas these sins didn't bother us so much before, now it really bothers you. Whereas it before you've enjoyed it without any remorse, now you feel like, gosh, I, I don't like it. In Christ, we are free from the bondage and dominion from our sin. And as a young believer, you might lose heart and become discouraged, but may I ask you, don't give up. Your efforts are not in vain. In your wrestling and struggling with your sin this morning, there's growth, believe it or not. There's growth. You may not see the progress, but God is faithful and He's growing you. That's why it's so vital that we come to church. We attend small groups, fight clubs. That's why we got to do this together. Because more often than not, we grow more so than than ever together. You can't grow on your own the way that God has designed. Let's go to my third point and last point. The assurance of knowing Jesus. Verse 14, I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning... I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. John is in part writing this to warn this church about false teachers who were claiming heretical things about Jesus. Uh, If you ever want to know how to tell if a cult or, or if a group or an organization is a cult, look at what they think of Jesus. Because every cult, they... Um, always question the divinity or pre-existence of Jesus. That's how you can tell if it's a cult. And John is saying that those who are mature in faith and to young believers, 
Keep abiding in the Word of God. Don't steer away from the Word of God because it is our best defense against heresy. So apparently in this church there were false teachers who were saying something contradictory to, to Scripture. And so John is emphasizing the foundational truth of Jesus in his preeminence. And we have seen this in John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'll never forget when I was in seminary, I, I met with this young gentleman who was Jehovah's Witness, and he brought me a New World Translation of the Bible. Now, I don't recommend this translation. It is not a good translation. Uh, it's a bodge translation. Don't read it for your growth, but read it for uh, just for your awareness. Um, and we studied this verse together, and the way that they translated from the Greek is, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. They added an article where it had no business, below. It, it, it grammatically just didn't make sense for them to add this, but they did, and they do it several other places in, in this translation. And that's where the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that they can attain this divine uh, nature, just as Jesus was a small God, they can also become small gods. That is a horrible translation of the original text. And in this church, apparently there were some that were saying similar things, and John is saying, Jesus, from the old to the new and to modern day, he existed before all creation. That Jesus is the second person of the Trinity and he is God. And th that is the only Jesus there is. Amen. And all true believers know this. They know this Jesus and this should be our aim. That no matter where we are in our spiritual development, whether you're young in your faith, whether you're a young person growing in your faith and getting stronger, or you're a seasoned believer, let us never depart from the word of God. Let it abide in you. Let yourself be saturated in God's word. As Christy said in, in worship, we, we, we need to be enveloped in God's word. So know Jesus deeply in your mind and love and know Jesus deeply in your heart. Let me bring it home. Let me end with this. We've talked about several di different things today. We talked about babies in faith, young believers in faith. We talked about mature believers in faith. And I got some questions for you. Where do you stand today? Are you growing in your spiritual journey and spiritual maturity? Where would you say your growth is and how much have you grown in your spirit compared to a year ago? It's important for us to reflect on our growth. This new year, would you continue to grow and ask yourself, what areas would I like to grow in? <clears throat> Question two, what things are keeping you from growing? What childish things do you need to leave behind? Question Number three, are you overcoming the evil one today? Is God's word abiding in you every day? Are you reading his word and daily soaking in the truth? You will fail. I will fail. We can't do this on our own effort, with our own effort. 
And when we fall, let us fall into the arms of our gracious and merciful God. And as you put forth effort to grow and change, know that God is growing you. You may not grow overnight the way we may prefer, but that is where God grows you in the daily grind, in the daily fight. He grows you. Pray that the Holy Spirit continue to grow your heart, grow your mind, and grow your faith. But would you be encouraged today? Know that Jesus is for you, that he is not only our greatest example, but he is our great savior. He loves you. He's cheering you on. Don't give up. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your faithfulness in growing us and changing us to be more like you. Wherever we may find ourselves this morning, would you keep growing us, Lord? Help us to be reminded of your forgiveness. Help us to be reminded that you've delivered us from our former nature, that we are no longer under the bondage of our sin. And God, help us to know you and to love you deeply every day. In Jesus' name we pray.